This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, March 17th, 2013. Jesus Greater. January 16th, it was a Wednesday, probably a couple minutes after 10 o'clock. I was called up into a conference room at my uh, previous employer. I was being laid off, <sighs> didn't know what to do. Left there, obviously crying, not too happy. And then um, got in my car, and the first thing I do is I had to call my wife. I, she lost it, and I knew that we were in trouble. So that night, I just started praying like I never prayed before. Life. And I, I knew everything was going to be okay eventually, but I had no idea how long this eventually was going to take. So within praying with Aaron, was praying by myself, uh, studying the Bible, just reading verses, it slowly over weeks, it wasn't days, it was weeks where God was slowly humbling my heart to letting me know that He is in control of this situation. Uh, actually, uh, I saw this other pastor uh, read this verse, and it just hit me like a, a, stone, a bunch of bricks. It was uh, Exodus 14, 14, and it was uh, what Moses said to the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt, and he said, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent, or in other verses, says, you only have to be still. So knowing that I just have to be still in the situation and not rely on my own strength, but rely on God's strength, it, it made a difference in my life. Just giving it up and over to him and saying, God, okay, I know you have a job out there for me, you're going to provide this job. I don't know when. I'm going to trust you. But it eventually came, weeks and weeks and weeks. Two jobs. My mother-in-law prayed that I would have two jobs to pick from, and she was dead on right. God blessed me with two jobs to pick from, and I got to pick the one I really wanted. This was definitely more than a job. This is definitely more than a job loss. This was a, this was a chance for me to reconnect with God, almost like it was for the first time. Even though I come here Sunday mornings praising God, Sundays were great. But during the week, my life was empty. This job loss, this opportunity, as I like to think of it now, was a chance for me to reconnect with God on a, on a personal, on a just emotional level that I haven't had in a really long time. By searching Him, by just humbling myself, humbling my heart, my spirit, I was able to reconnect with Him and let Him be Lord over my life. I have also let him be Lord over my marriage. Awesome. We uh, actually started praying more together. We have never prayed this much, I can't remember, in years. We've only been married about six years, but we probably pay, prayed more in the past seven weeks than we have in our entire marriage. It's, and uh, just being a better father to my son, um, I get to pray for him more. Uh, not that I have been doing it. We do prayers every night with him. But just praying that he would be a man of God when he becomes older, that he wants Jesus, the Lord, over his life, and that um, God will just bless that prayer. And I already see him working in my son. My name is Kyle, and I know that Jesus is greater. thing that we really appreciate about this church, about you, is that you're willing to share. You're willing to be transparent because that helps all of us along the way in our own journey, doesn't it? Well, good morning, Connection Church. 
My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day where it is no accident that anybody is in these seats today because it's by your grace that brought each one of us here that even woke us up this morning. God, thank you. Open up our hearts, help us set aside everything that we have to do at noon and thereafter, but just help us focus right on you. We pray this in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So we've been looking at um, some of Luke's account of Jesus there in the first part of the New Testament. Uh, Jesus' life, what he said, what he did as, as we travel with him to the cross, uh, to his death, and to his resurrection on Easter morning. Um, today we're going to look at a story, a little story, um, that took place in a town called Nain, N-A-I-N, which, is lo- which was located southeast of Nazareth, Nazareth being Jesus' hometown, a little bit to the west of the River Jordan. Uh, Our version today is from The Message. It's written by Eugene Peterson. It is a paraphrase. We're taking a look at Luke chapter 7. Not long after that, Jesus went to the village Nain. His disciples were with him along with quite a large crowd. As they approached the village gate, they met a funeral procession. A woman's only son was being carried out for burial, and the mother was a widow. When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. He said to her, don't cry. Hmm. So when Jesus saw this widow, this mother, the scripture tells us his heart broke. Probably for several reasons. For one, not only was this woman without a husband, But now she had lost her only child, her son. And this is a much greater loss than probably many of us here today would realize. In that day, in that place, in that culture, that male-dominated culture, it was very, very, very difficult for a woman on her own to get by. A woman without a husband, without a father, without a son, without a brother in the household. It was a... very, very difficult situation. So Jesus' heart breaks for this woman, this widow who is in the funeral procession for her son. That's where she is when Jesus shows up. Jesus knows that her heart is breaking, but he also knows very likely that she'll be financially breaking as well in the not-too-distant future as a result of this death. And so Jesus has great compassion for this woman. It's not unusual for Jesus to have compassion, is it? When we look at the beginning of this passage in Luke chapter 7, the first part talks about, if you have your Bibles, um, it's often headed the faith of the centurion. A centurion is a Roman officer in charge of 100 men. That's why it's century, you know, century 100, 100 men. Now, some of the elders of the Jews were sent to Jesus, and they asked Jesus to come and heal this um, highly valued servant of the centurion who was sick and dying. When the elders reached Jesus, they told him that the centurion deserved Jesus' help. It's kind of interesting because the centurion, we're not told, you know, was a believer at this point, but the centurion deserved 
Jesus' help because he um, loved the nation of Israel and he helped build the synagogue, the place where they worship. When Jesus was close to the house, we read that the centurion tells his friends to go to Jesus and say to Jesus that Jesus doesn't even need to come to the house, that the centurion didn't even deserve Jesus' presence but that Jesus could just say the word. It's like with a command, and that person, that servant, could be healed. Jesus was really um, struck by the great, compa- the great um, faith of this centurion, and so he did heal this uh, centurion's servant. And that healing was done even before those messengers got back to the house. So over and over and over again, we see in the scriptures, in these stories of Jesus, we see his compassion for the people around him over and over and over again. This uh, compassion is translated into helping people in one way or another, more often than not, helping them through healing of one type or another, Uh, just as he had done healing, just as he had done for the centurion's servant. Uh, just as he does for so many others in the stories we read there in the scriptures. And so therefore, it's no surprise that Jesus would have compassion for this widow at Nain. And then he, so he says to her, don't cry. Jesus went beyond mere compassion. We continue in this passage, begin picking it up at uh, the 14th verse. Then he went over and touched the coffin. Now, can you, can you kind of see this picture? He went over and touched the coffin. The pallbearer stopped. He said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead son sat up and began talking. Jesus presented him to his mother. Mm. There's a really important <laughs> word in here. It's just before the word son. The young man was dead. Doesn't say he was snoozing. (laughs) Doesn't say he was on hiatus. Doesn't say he was in a coma. It says he was dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. And Jesus brings him back to life. Heart not beating, Jesus, after Jesus' heart is beating, right? (laughs) Not breathing, Jesus, now he's breathing. No brain activity, Jesus, brain is functioning. Dead, Jesus, Jesus, dead, no more. I I don't mean to beat this to death, but... um, (laughs) Can you imagine being in the crowd that day? Now, I used to think he put his hand on the coffin pot. They didn't have a top on it. It was a a coffin where it was more open, so it wasn't like it popped open or anything. But but he puts his hand on, and and he sits. Can you imagine being in that crowd? Can you imagine being one of the pallbearers? It's surprising they didn't drop the thing. What do you think? Or how about his mother? How about... His mother, she's crying over her dead son, and boom, he sits up and talks. That had to be just an absolutely unbelievable experience 
that day thanks to Jesus. Unbelievable. And so we see here that Jesus was compassionate, but it was even more than that. That Jesus is (coughs) vital. Jesus is absolutely vital. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the word vital, we mean essential, really uh, crucial. But when we look deeper into that word, the root of vital is vitalis. It's Latin life. Now, I always found that hair hair, maybe that vitalis hair stuff brings Brings your hair hair to life. life. I don't know. But vital. Necessary for the continuation of life. Life sustaining. Now, I'm a nurse, kind of on in my past life, kind of. So anyway, when I go into a home, I still do this sometimes. I go into a home and I have to take vital signs. Blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate. You know what? If the blood pressure is zero... Which, by the way, since I'm a hospice nurse, it happens. But anyway, it, it doesn't there's sound good. no life. There's no life. When the pulse is way down, there is, you know, soon to be death. We have vital organs, lungs, brain, heart. Jesus brings vital signs back into our life. Vital signs back to the widow's son. Can you just imagine? Jesus saw to it that his vital organs were once again alive. He brought vitality back to him. He brought vitality back to the mother. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I'm sure that she was feeling really, really low, you know, less than alive that day until Jesus showed up until Jesus spoke up, until Jesus told the young man to get up. You know, in the scriptures we read, uh, this is not the only time that Jesus uh, brought someone back from the dead. In the the very next chapter, in this same book of Luke, chapter 8, a ruler from the synagogue, that would be their worship center, came and fell at Jesus' feet, begging Jesus to come to his house to help his dying 12-year-old daughter. Before Jesus got there, someone came to him to say that the girl was already dead. You know, you don't need to keep going. Jesus told the father to believe that she would be healed. He told the people at the house to stop wailing. He told them that she wasn't dead, she was just asleep. (laughs) Of course, for him, that's true, isn't it? (laughs) And so he takes the girl by the hand, and he says, my child, and then he says those two words again, my child, get up. And you know what she did? She got up. (laughs) Once again, Jesus with just two vital words, get up. Get up. Wow. In the book of John, in the Bible, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. That's the life, the ministry of Jesus. In John chapter 11, we see Martha. We talked about Martha 
two weeks ago, I think, when Martha and Mary and the word engaging, this is the same place, the same people, Martha and Mary, but they have a brother named Lazarus. Jesus hung out at this house um, when he was in town, and he got a message that Lazarus was on his deathbed. When Jesus arrived, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus tells them to roll away the stone, and then he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. You know, it's the same outcome as get up, come out. Lazarus was dead, and then he's alive, thanks to Jesus. In Jesus, we have life. Jesus is vital, vital. Jesus is our most vital organ. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is our most what? Vital organ. He is the source of life. Jesus is vital. And so we're in this season of Lent in the church. They call it Lent, this preparation season as we're leading up to Easter. It's a a time of self-reflection, a time of uh, uh, recognizing our own mortality. It's a time of prepping for Jesus' death and ultimately Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning. We talk a lot about Jesus' resurrection, but, you know, right here we have... Uh, three examples of resurrection that occurred even before Jesus hung on the cross and went to the grave. Three examples of Jesus being responsible for resurrection in people's lives. And the thing about it is, Jesus can bring resurrection in our lives as well. Jesus can touch our caskets and say to us, young man, young woman, get up and And I'm not talking right now about our actual casket, although that's true too, but I'm talking about our um, caskets that sometimes we have while we're still technically alive, but in some way we have died in one way or another. An example would be maybe we've had a death of a relationship in our lives. And I think most of us have experienced this one time or another, where someone we've been close to, uh, now we no longer are for whatever reason. Sometimes we don't even know what the reason is, but it happened, and the relationship is dead. It's in the casket. It's gone, and it's heading out of town, just like that casket of the young man there at Nain. It's on the way to the cemetery, and maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. I don't know. Whoever it is, that relationship is gone. Here's the thing to remember. No matter how dead it appears, no matter how dead it is, Jesus is capable of bringing it back to life. Jesus is capable of touching the casket, and Jesus is capable of saying, get up, because Jesus is life-giving. Jesus is life-sustaining. Jesus is vital. Jesus is vital. Sometimes the relationship that has died is between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, you and your spouse. And you know it's, it's gone. It feels hopeless. It feels beyond repair, just like we saw with Glenn and Connie. 
and you're mourning that relationship, the one that's in the casket, the one that's in its resting place. Maybe you find yourself alone again, that the relationship has ended, and your heart has absolutely broken. It's not necessarily what you wanted at all, but it's what has happened. And Jesus comes and shows up on the scene, and he takes a look at you, and he says, get up. I can give you hope. I know your circumstances have really brought you down. I know you feel dead inside. I know your heart feels broken in a million trillion pieces. But I can give you hope because Jesus Christ is capable of bringing us back to life when we feel dead. Jesus Christ is absolutely vital. He will say to each one of us, get up. Because Jesus is life-giving, Jesus is life-sustaining, Jesus is vital. Mm. Well, or maybe something's got a hold of you, a hurt, a hang-up, a habit. Maybe like in Glenn's case, uh, maybe a, a substance that there's an addiction there. And, uh, and be, maybe because of that, your life feels like it's over. All your hopes and dreams that once were no longer are. Maybe your relationships are <coughs> in caskets as a result of that hurt habit or hang-up, and they've died, you've died, along with whatever joy you once had or hoped for. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're in the casket. And the casket's headed out of town, just like our story this morning, ready to be buried along with any possibility of change. <laughs> and then just as you get outside the gate, just out of town, <laughs> just you're ready to put that casket in the ground along with any future you might have had, guess who shows up? It's Jesus. And, and, and he touches that casket, and he says those two words, saying with me, get up. Get up. And he breathes new life into you because that's who he is. Because he is life-giving. He is life-sustaining. Jesus actually is life itself. Jesus is vital. Vital. Maybe you've had a job, a vocation, a calling, and something's gotten away, but it defined who you are, who you were, and you're feeling really lost. There's this big hole, and that particular job or vocation or calling carried all of your hopes and all of your dreams, and now it's gone. Maybe the company folded. Maybe there was a downsize. Maybe you got fired. Whatever the reason, you're feeling broken and empty. And you can just, it feels like those pallbearers are carrying your casket filled with your hopes and your dreams right out of town getting ready to lower it into the ground, and then Jesus touches that casket and says, young woman, young man, get up. And you thought that that piece of you was dead and gone, and you, through Jesus Christ, through that life-giving, life-sustaining relationship, can feel alive again. Because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is life. Jesus is vital. 
If you take nothing else home with you today from this hour that we're sharing together, if you take absolutely nothing else, I hope you take some other stuff, but if you don't, if there's one thing you take, this is what we hope it is, that there's absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing that is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing is beyond his healing hand. There is absolutely nothing that is beyond Jesus' ability to bring it back from the dead even. To resurrect what is and was dead and to give it life once again. Nothing is beyond Jesus' power to do that. Nothing. Listen to the end of this uh, scripture passage. It has a great, great ending. They all realized they were in a place of where? Holy mystery. That God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful, then noisily grateful, (laughs) calling out among themselves, God is back, looking to the needs of his people. The news of Jesus spread all through the country. Mm. They all realized they were in a place of holy mystery. I love that line, don't you? That God was at work among them. We're in a place of holy mystery, aren't we? And God is at work among us. Among all (laughs) y'all. Among winds. (laughs) Uh, God is here looking out for the needs of of God's people, and you are, we are God's people, aren't we? And the thing is, nothing is beyond, nothing is beyond the healing hand of Christ. Nothing is beyond His ability to resurrect. And the truth is, every one of us here needs resurrection because each and every one of us here is dead according to scripture we are all dead in our sin amen we have all separated from god and that sin separates us it is our death in terms of eternity with god and so each of us needs (laughs) uh, jesus resurrection and the thing is that's why he resurrected to give it to us now, some of you have that connection, but some are going, um, I'm not sure I'm there. It's okay. Maybe today's the day to think about your need for that resurrecting hand of Jesus. And it's a pretty simple thing. It's not really that complicated. All we've got to do is recognize that we're sinners. I'm a sinner, that we're in need of a Savior, and that we can't save ourselves because we can't. I'm a sinner and need of And maybe if you're there, maybe you want to say that. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it to yourself, or you can say it out loud if you want. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself, but Jesus, I understand that you can save me. <laughs> so to speak, Jesus, I know I'm dead. Can you put your hand on my casket? And I'm ready for you to say, get up. <laughs> get up. Jesus, I'm here today. I need you. I'm in. <laughs> I'm dead in my sin. I'm in the casket. Put your hand on the casket. And all I'm waiting for you to say, Jesus, is get up. All we have to do is say, here I am, Lord. 
here I am. I would encourage you, if you've never had that conversation with Jesus, have it in your seat today. He'd love to hear from you. Have it up here on the steps. God loves it when we're on our knees. Mike, Marie, would you like to pray with some people back there, wouldn't you? If you'd like somebody to kind of walk you through that, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I can't save myself. Jesus, put your hand on my casket today, and please tell me the words, get up. They'd love to walk you through that. Yeah. Jesus is ready to resurrect whatever you need resurrecting and to bring new life to your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the joyful voices we hear across the way that they are worshiping you as well. And God, thank you that you look into those dark places, those dead places, and all you want us to do is say, God, I'm lost and I need you. God, I'm not really doing this so well myself. Be the leader of my life. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Lord, you just want to come and bring life into our lives. So thank you for this message that we can lean on you every, every day, every moment. We pray all this and thank you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody here gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.